Hello and welcome to the first episode and first season of Do The Film Thing, a film appreciation and analysis podcast. I am your host, Victor Omoyo. You might be familiar with my work on the Codex Prime podcast where I cover all things nerd culture. Here on Do The Film Thing, I will focus on all things cinema, highlighting various elements of a film that have resonated with me or piqued my interest in some way. Elements such as specific scenes, characters, themes, production histories, and the film's cultural and historical context, to name a few. Now, because I will be diving deeply into films on this podcast, there will be spoilers. We will be kicking off this inaugural season with the 1997 romantic drama Love Jones, written and directed by Theodore Witcher, and starring Nia Long. Lorenz Tate, Isaiah Washington, Lisa Nicole Carson, Bill Bellamy, Leonard Roberts, Bernadette Speaks, and Khalil Kane. Taking place in Chicago, Illinois, Love Jones follows two artsy 20-somethings, Nina Mosley, a photographer played by Nia Long, and Darius Lovehall, a poet and budding author played by Lorenz Tate. Nina and Darius first meet each other at the Sanctuary, a hip spot where open mics and spoken word poetry are the order of the evening. After Darius attempts to seduce Nina with his creatively provocative poem, which he quickly titles A Blues for Nina, she's amused and somewhat intrigued by this young author's charisma, and they decide to kick it. Inevitably, as such things go, their true feelings give way to confusion, words unsaid, frustrations, and regrets. There are several elements that I admire about Love Jones, starting with the smooth visuals provided by the film's director of photography, Ernest Holzman, set to the song Hopeless by Dion Farris. In fact, as a side note, the best way to see this film is on Blu-ray, courtesy of the Criterion Collection, which gave the film a beautiful 4K restoration. The film opens with a black-and-white montage of Chicago, starting with wide shots of buildings and neighborhoods, and progressing to close-ups of the city's residents. This montage also speaks to the character of Nina Mosley, as she is an up-and-coming photographer herself. Interestingly, director Theodore Witcher notes in the commentary track of the Blu-ray that the film's opening montage was also shot by Melody McDaniel, a fashion and editorial photographer who snapped the still photos of the footage Ernest Holzman filmed. McDaniel's photos were used as props for Nia Long's character to portray Nina's artistry. Now, instead of utilizing the on-set photographer provided by the studio, New Line Cinema, Witcher insisted on hiring Melody McDaniel because he, quote, loved her humanist style, which showed people in an unadorned and realistic way, end quote. Although the film's production initially pushed back on Witcher's choice, he explained that McDaniel is an artist, as is the character of Nina, so as the viewer, you get to see a bit of Nina's artistry. Now, watching the film, it does draw you into her character further, as what we see of her photography is also reflective of Nina's urbane and cosmopolitan sensibilities. The film's silky and subtle use of colors is also what adds to the allure of Love Jones. One example is the scene where Nina and Darius are dancing at this reggae nightclub, and both of them are surrounded by people on the dance floor, grooving as they are bathed in crimson light, passions rising with every rhythm. 
earlier in the film after the opening montage, we see Nina illuminated by the blue-gray lights of the early morning as she stares out of the window of her apartment that she's moving out of. She certainly has reason to feel blue as she looks at a picture of her and her ex-boyfriend Marvin, played by Khalil Kane. One scene that stands out in particular is where Nina and Darius are at his apartment, discussing whether or not she should return to New York to see her ex. Nina wonders if she is still in love with him or not. I appreciate how this scene is shot and staged. Nina is lying on the couch, covered in a brown blanket. She's practically blending in with the light brown tan couch she's relaxing on. She's only illuminated by the warm glow of the lamp above her head to the right of the frame. Darius, in contrast, sits on a chair with only a towel around his waist. Only the bare white wall and the dark unlit kitchen are behind him. The lighting on Darius appears harsher. Witcher notes in the Criterion commentary track that the lighting on his character looks like an interrogation, which it essentially is, as Nina is probing just how Darius truly feels about her. At this point in the film, they've been dating for a couple of weeks, and Nina tells Darius that she's leaving for New York City to see about some professional opportunities, as well as to visit her ex Marvin. Now, of course, rather than just tell each other how they precisely feel about each other, they both downplay their feelings in different ways. Darius asks, I mean, we're just friends, right? To which Nina disappointingly replies, Yeah. Nina, cocooned in her blanket, doesn't appear ready to reveal her true feelings. Darius, appearing more vulnerable, also doesn't want to communicate just how much he cares for Nina. After all, they're just kicking it, right? Well, in the following scene, Darius chats with his friend Savan, played by Isaiah Washington. Darius is clearly broken up about her leaving, but he continues to front. He says, It wouldn't be so bad, man, if I didn't think she was the one. But he immediately postures like he's just kidding. He then eyes another woman at the bar, Lisa. We'll get back to this in a bit. Another element of Love Jones that I appreciate is the chemistry between both the main and supporting cast. In fact, the vibe of the supporting cast imbues the film with such vitality that it makes the experience that much cooler. We see the natural rapport between Nina and Darius's friends, from Isaiah Washington's Savan, the married man of the group, to Bill Bellamy's proudly trifling playboy, Hollywood, to Nina's friend Josie, played by Lisa Nicole Carson, to Leonard Roberts' character Eddie, the MC of their hangout spot called The Sanctuary, and to Sheila, a record store owner, played by Bernadette Speaks. Witcher enabled the actors to speak with overlapping dialogue, inspired by director Robert Altman and playwright August Wilson's approach to having multiple characters overlap their lines like real-life conversations. Even Witcher's visual approach facilitates this naturalistic approach to the film's dialogue. For example, the scene of Darius's poetry performance was filmed with three cameras running simultaneously, which cinematographers would normally frown upon because the lighting from one angle could compromise the lighting of another. Witcher and his DP Holzman managed to pull it off so that it allowed actors to freely improvise and ad-lib, further adding to the film's verisimilitude. 
Speaking of the supporting cast, I really enjoyed Lisa Nicole Carson's role as Josie, particularly the taxi conversation she has with Nina, where Nina gives her the rundown of her first night with Darius. Watching Josie experience vicarious thrills at Nina's previous night's escapade was hilarious, especially her response to Nina's scintillating statement about how Darius's uh, poetry pen, if you know what I mean, was talking to her. Josie's silent and rapt gaze on Nina, starving for more details, longingly asks, What'd it say? You know, it's also interesting how later on in the film, after Nina and Darius fall apart, Josie suggests hooking Nina up with Darius's friend, Hollywood, which A, is an extremely dubious idea, and B, perhaps implies that Josie on some level was envious of Nina's romantic success and wanted her to be just as messy as she might have been. However, there's really nothing in the film to support this idea, but in any case, Lisa Nicole Carson's role adds a bit of flavor to this film. Isaiah Washington's role as Savan is also quite interesting, as his subplot is reflective of the romance of the film's two main characters. Savan and his wife Troy, played by Cyril Duncan, are having some marital problems, with Troy taking their young son and leaving Savan alone. To me, it seemed like Savan's presence provided a reality check to the romanticized idealism that Darius was experiencing. With Darius showing how it is easier to fall in love, and Savan's situation proving that staying in love is a more challenging proposition altogether. There's a scene where Darius and Savan are playing pool, and the former asks about soulmates. Savan replies by saying that marriage is what you make it also true of Darius's relationship with Nina, as he downplays that he and Nina are just kicking it, while his face tells a much different story. Bill Bellamy's character Hollywood is certainly the Joker, the comic relief of the film. In more modern terms, Hollywood, or Wood for short, is what we would classify as an F-boy, with his loud-ass red jacket, self-assured sneer, and braggadocious prowess for getting women. You know, when I first watched Love Jones, I found it somewhat odd that Nina would even entertain the notion of dating Wood, but it can't be argued that he's got a charming presence about him. He's down for a good time, but you don't get the sense that he'd make for a serious, viable partner. He even drives a hearse, but he's quick to point out that it's a Cadillac. And the hearse reflects just how dead wrong he is for hooking up with Nina after she split up with Darius. On a side note, watching Wood drive Nina around in his hearse makes me think of that one episode of Martin, where Martin and Gina hang out with Garrett Morris's character Stan and his lady, and they're being driven all around the streets of Detroit in a hearse because it's cheaper than a limousine, you see. Essentially, Wood is what Stan probably was as a younger man. The casting of both Nia Long and Lorenz Tate as the two central leads in the film is quite perfect. Interestingly, the role of Nina Mosley was originally written for Jada Pinkett Smith, but Helena Echegoyen, an executive producer at New Line Cinema, suggested Nia Long after plans for casting Smith fell through. Witcher was initially wary about casting Lorenz Tate due to his convincing performance in Menace to Society as the sociopathic O-Dog, while Tate was skeptical about working with a first-time director. 
Nia Long and Lorenz Tate being cast as the two leads lends Love Jones an intangible quality that really makes it special, and one has to wonder if the film would be as beloved today had different choices been made. What also makes Love Jones such an engaging film is its approach of tackling the old versus the new, and we see this dynamic reflected in both Nina and Darius. After Darius' poem to Nina the previous night, they run into each other at a record store where his friend Sheila works. The banner of the store reads, Last of the Old Time Record Stores. Darius is shopping for vinyl records. He's a fan of old jazz musicians such as Charlie Parker, while Nina shops for CDs. Nina is house-sitting at a swank modern loft apartment, listening to Maxwell's Something Something on the stereo. Darius rides around on an old Norton motorcycle, which was manufactured from the 1950s, and resides in a much smaller and older apartment, surrounded by stacks of vinyl and columns of books, and works on writing his book on an old-school typewriter placed on a desk that probably saw the turn of the 20th century. Darius's preference for the old and the vintage also reflects his romantic nature. No doubt that he idealizes some old-fashioned notions of love and romance, even though he's just kicking it, as he says. The old-new dynamic is also reflected at the end of their first date. After Nina and Darius arrive at her doorstep, feelings of passion permeating the air, they briefly kiss and Darius appears to leave. Now, After thinking for a moment, he says that he just wants to talk, but they both chuckle, knowing what's really about to happen. They cap off their first date together in a tasteful love scene, which both actors weren't actually entirely comfortable with shooting. Witcher noted that the scene was basically mandated by the film's production, as it was the fashion for romantic films in the 90s to include an obligatory scene of lovemaking. Even Witcher wasn't too keen with including the scene in the film, as he says on the commentary track that as a viewer, you're just watching two actors pretending to bang. Still, the scene was shot in a way that wasn't salacious, as that's just not the film's vibe, but it was shot in a slick and sultry way that I think lends further weight to the relationship between Nina and Darius. Plus, with their love scene, the film explores that old versus new dynamic by pitting old-fashioned and conservative notions of chastity on the first date versus more modern notions of fulfilling sexual chemistry early on. It's all about what feels right for these characters. Both are intrigued with each other, so what's the sense of delaying? As Darius' friend Eddie says to him at one point, quote, Physics, this shit ain't. Love, passion, it is what it is. End quote. We do see Nina and Darius get into more old-school courtship later on in the film, where they attend a Chicago step-and-dance event and resist sleeping with each other at the end of the evening, with the brassy song lyrics, Jelly Stays on My Mind, playing, as Nina struggles to fall asleep on her bed while Darius tosses and turns miserably on the couch downstairs. The old and new dynamic of the film also extends to the film's beloved soundtrack, which blends old-school R&B soul sensibilities with contemporary sounds. For example, Maxwell's track Something Something is indicative of his overall sound, which is a combination of different genres with soul as its base. Lauren Hill's song The Sweetest Thing is featured in the end credits of the film. The song was also one of her earlier forays into a solo run apart from the Fugees. 
The Refugee Camp All-Stars song, I Gotta Love Jones For You, closes out the end credits, a final example of the old, new Sonic mixture. The soundtrack was also a hit and was certified platinum by the Recording Industry Association of America in May of 2000, selling 1 million units. It also peaked at number 3 on Billboard's top R&B hip-hop albums in the U.S. and also peaked at number 16 on the U.S. Billboard 200. The 1990s was a decade that was stacked with popular soundtracks from black films such as Juice, Belly, Boomerang, New Jack City, just to name a few, and Love Jones has maintained its place in that remarkable pantheon. Love Jones was well received by critics and audiences alike, ultimately grossing over $12 million against its modest $7 million budget. Perhaps what also makes Love Jones such a special film is that 27 years later, since the film's release in 1997, it still remains Theodore Witcher's one and only film he has directed. He wrote the screenplay of one other movie, Body Count, which was released straight to video the following year, but he has had no subsequent credits since then. Given how great Love Jones is, the fact that Witcher did not have opportunities to direct more films is just a scathing indictment on how Hollywood treated young up-and-coming black filmmakers at that time. Today, with the advent of numerous streaming services, which give filmmakers more avenues of distributing their work, to the steady rise of popular black filmmakers in the last decade, from Ava DuVernay to Barry Jenkins, Jordan Peele, Ryan Coogler, Nia DaCosta, and others, the time and cinematic landscape is more than ready for Theodore Witcher to grace us with a new film. I would really like to see a career renaissance and resurgence of Witcher, and who knows, perhaps we might see a glimpse of his ideas in the years since Love Jones' release. Time will tell. And so that concludes this week's episode of Do the Film Thing. And I thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you're interested in hearing more, please tune in next Sunday for episode two of season one. Thank you so much. My name is Victor Omoyo, and I'll see you next time. Oh, and remember to do the film thing always. Always.